This is Ride Every Stride, episode 44. Ride Every Stride with Van Hargis, a podcast about horsemanship and more. Our goal is to educate, motivate, inspire, and entertain you through an exploration of everything horsemanship and the intersection of horsemanship and humanship. My name is Laura McClellan, and I'm your co-host on Ride Every Stride, and I am pleased to be back with Master Horseman Van Hargis. Hey, Van, what's up? Hey, Miss Laura, how are you today? I'm doing well. I'm good. I'm, I'm happy, happy, happy. <laughs> That's very good. Very good. Laura, just recently I was thinking about a friend of mine over in New Zealand. And uh, and so as a result of that, I'm going to share a story about him. He he recently deceased. Matter of fact, we were over in New Zealand a little over a year ago doing a clinic tour. And um, shortly after we got back to the States, we had gotten word that, uh, that Laurie had passed away. And Laurie was a very special person to me when we were over there because he, I, I've said this before, he was kind of like my surrogate grandfather while we lived there. I mean, he uh, he literally kind of took me under his wing and we, we worked with each other almost on a daily basis with horses. And of course, he'd share his wisdom with me about life and everything else and was just a super good guy. And um, because he's been on my brain a lot, I couldn't help but to think of a story that he had, uh, that we had shared together while we were over there. He had called one day and wanted to know, hey, Van, can I get you to come over to Lester's place? And this Lester was a, a guy that had a fairly good size beef cattle operation over there and, and specialized in bulls. And, of course, I used to ask him, why do you have so many bulls? I mean, my, what, what's the deal with the bulls? And, of course, his response is, because you Americans love hamburger meat. So he, he, he raised a lot of bulls and shipped them over to the United States or shipped the meat over to the United States. But Laurie called me, wanted to know if I'd meet him over at Mr. Higgins' place so that we could help him work his cattle. And of course, I just jumped on the idea. Heck yeah, I'll be there. So uh, we go and we visit a little bit about what we're going to do and how we're going to go gather the cattle and bring them toward the working pens. And uh, so we discussed our strategy and how we're going to bring the cattle up and all that kind of good stuff. And so off we go and everything's just working like clockwork. Now in New Zealand, they don't do everything exactly the way we do here in Texas. Over there, they use dogs a lot. So Laurie had some just really, really good dogs, as did Mr. Higgins. So we're bringing the cattle in, and really all we're doing is just going along for the ride on horseback because the dogs did all the work, and it was just it really allowed us to kind of visit and and enjoy the the gathering. Well, as we got all the cattle up toward the working pens, and I began to look at the working pens, they just weren't in real good order. And what I mean by that is, is that there were several boards broken, the corrals, and the boards were obviously the ones that were up were a little bit weak, and and even though Mr. Higgins' cattle were kind of quiet. They were still typical cows, and they'd put a little bit of pressure on the pens from time to time. Well, as we begin to sort the cattle and work them into the chutes, uh, I look up, and, and bam, I heard the, a board break, and I yell out at, at uh, Laurie. And I said, hey, Laurie, we got a steer that got out. No worries, mate. She'll be right. Well, we keep working cattle, and next thing you know, I hear another board break. I look up, and I see another cow running out of the corrals, and she's taken back off to where she came from. and. And I'm going to let everybody know, so I yell out again, Hey, Laurie, got another cow out. No worries, mate. She'll be right. So we just keep working, keep going. And a few minutes later, another steer breaks out. So again, I'm going to let everybody know, and I yell out again, We got another one that broke out. And Laurie says, No worries, mate. She'll be all right. She can't get off the island. And I just cracked up at the thought of that, because his whole attitude was, 
don't worry, don't worry, she'll be all right. And to hear him say she can't get off the island just cracked me up because, I mean, that was his attitude toward things. I mean, after all, where could she go? Number one, she was still on the ranch, or Mr. Higgins called his place a station, but the cows that gotten that had gotten out were still on the station. But Laurie's attitude was is that they can't get off this big old South Island anyway. They're not going to go anywhere. Don't worry, Van. Let's just stay focused on our job. And at the time, it was just frustrating for me because I was a fixer. I just wanted to go get something and get it fixed really quick. So to me, it was a little bit frustrating, even though I, I laughed at Laurie's comments, she can't get off the island. But I also couldn't later, it, I grasped the idea that stay focused on the task. So what I wanted to visit with today, Laurie, is share that story with Laurie. And then at the same time, how does that tie in to what we do with our horsemanship? And really, what does it mean to us and just in our everyday lives as well? But in horsemanship, I see that happen to us a lot. I, I will get folks to do a particular exercise. And before you know it, they're telling me about all the other stuff that the horse can't do or the frustrations that the horse has got. And, and before you know it, they're so distracted by all these other things that they don't focus on what it is that they were, why they were at the clinic in the first place or why they bought that horse in the first place or why they bought the saddle that they bought in the first place. In other words, rather than focusing on what they wanted and rather than focusing on the positives, what they focused on instead were those little life's distractions. And before you know it, they were getting further and further away from getting achieved what they wanted to achieve. And that's exactly why I look at that situation with Laurie. You see, because if he'd have let me be, hey, look, squirrel, and I'd have took off running after the, the cattle, then that'd have been working a little bit shorthanded there with, with the cattle that we already had trapped. You know, the two birds in the bush type of thing, as a, or I'm sorry, I guess that, that saying a bird, in the, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. But the same type of deal. You know, we had the cattle caught. Let's work with those instead of worrying about the one or two that had gotten away. We can work those later. We can address those later. So oftentimes, I, when I hear people get distracted by additional problems as opposed to focusing on the goals that they want, I can't help but to chuckle about Laurie's, Laurie's quote there. Don't worry, mate. She can't get off the island. Just a lovely quote. Yeah, and I remember you telling me that and using that Shelby Wright thing with me back 100 years ago when, you know, I'd be out there for a lesson, using it to make that very point, to not worry about that other thing, that that'll take care of, we can take care of that later. This is what we're here to do today. How do you know, you know, when, when you're in the midst of working with your horse in some way and, and something happens, how do you know when it's a Shelby Wright sort of situation <laughs> and, when, and when it's something you do need to stop and address? That's a great question. And oftentimes, really, that's why I get asked that question or something similar a lot. They'll say, well, well, how do you know what to do when you do what you're doing, Van? Mm -hmm. And I'll say, well, the horse tells me. And I know that sounds really evasive as far as the answer goes, but a lot of it has to do with priority and then logical steps. For example, if uh, I might really want to work on loping circles, but I don't have any control of my horse at a walk. So how do I know to work on the lope? I mean, even though, even though we want to work on cantering circles and loping circles, then if we can't achieve those, yes, you might say, well, don't get distracted with that. Just keep working at it. Keep working at it. Keep working. But the reality is if you don't have control, now you're in potential danger. Mm -hmm. So let's prioritize that. Let's go get control at doing something a little bit different. 
It's not about loping circles at this point. Now it's about being under control. But let's say, for example, we're loping circles and the horse is speeding up or slowing down. Okay, that's when I would probably tell you, no worries, mate, Shelby, right? Because you see, if the horse is speeding up and slowing down, she's the horse is actually working itself too hard, isn't it? So let's just stay focused on what you want. What do you want? And And again, it always goes back, and this is the crazy thing, it always goes back to those same four questions. What do you want? Is what you want fair to the horse? In other words, is it achievable? Can you communicate that? How do you measure that? You see, so when when we're asking ourselves and we're pretty confident that what we're asking for is achievable to the horse, then by all means, be persistent. Keep asking. And eventually, what you really want is for this horse, more specifically, I want this horse to lope at a nice, quiet, slow, rhythmic pace and not speed up, slow down. But after a while, the horse, through his own efficiency will tell him, you know what, it's a lot harder to speed up and slow down. And isn't it just easier just to stay at a nice, easy pace? So that would be the moment I would tell somebody, no worries, mate, Shelby Wright, just keep right on going. Just keep working with what you're working in. The horse will come to you. We'll address that. We'll address other issues later. Let's just keep working on the loping. You're doing well. But if you're out of control, then I don't want you to spin out of control to the point to where something bad could happen, something drastic could happen. Maybe nothing that would really be potentially dangerous, but what if it's scary for you and I lose your confidence and then we'll really have to slow down. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes it's just assessing the situation, what's safe and and what's comfortable. Although you you know, you've worked with me before, Laura, and I challenge everyone that works with me to, to push the envelope. So just because you're comfortable doesn't mean that's where we're staying, girlfriend. We're going to, we're going to progress. We're going places. We're, you know, now that you get pretty good at that, we're going to push that envelope again. So to answer your question, I'm going to answer it in classic Tom Dorrance style. Well, it depends. <laughs> it depends on the safety. It depends on the confidence. It depends on the scenario. But oftentimes we just kind of have to really look at the, and, and evaluate. Is that a distraction? Is it something that we can work on later? Or do we need to focus on what it is that we've got right here, right now and focus on those things? Now, God knows, I wish there was an easy answer to say, oh, well, if that, then this. But the reality is with horses and with people, there are no absolute answers. So we just have to kind of be very careful to assess the situation. And if we're not confident in our own ability to assess the situation, in other words, if I wouldn't have been really confident in Laurie, I would have been like that squirrel, not a taken off, you know, and chase, chase those cattle. So what I did was I looked to the guy in this particular case who had a little bit more experience. The guy who was my leader at this stage, he was my coach. He was my trainer. So rather than being distracted, I listened to my coach saying, stay focused. Well, and there's some great value there for all of us when we're, if, you know, if it's a listener who's just learning some of this stuff and the point of, of your story, I think, is to not let yourself get st- distracted from your goal in that moment for whatever purpose of the session that you're doing. And maybe people that are, you know, rookies in horsemanship don't know what their goal is or what it should be. And those are the people I would encourage to find somebody you trust, somebody with some experience to work with, to help you kind of get a program in place instead of just sort of, you know, people like me who have loved horses their whole lives, but for a big chunk of my adult life, not in a position to have any horses. And I come back to it and I'm just, now I've got horses. I'm delighted to have them. No idea what to do with them, you know? Right. 
Yeah. And so for me, the answer was go find somebody who can tell me what I should do with them, who can help me do it safely and kind of put some structure around instead of me just kind of hanging out in the pasture, petting my horse and thinking, well, it'd be fun to ride him if I, you know, if I wasn't afraid or whatever. And so, you know, you, you touched on something there, Laura, that's really important too. And you said some structure to it, because oftentimes yeah. I see a lot of people doing all the right things with their horses. I mean, they don't really see them doing anything drastically wrong, but yet their horses are confused as hell. And it's because even though they're doing the right things, they're not doing them in a way that is logical for the horse to learn and grasp and kind of put pieces of the puzzle together. And so oftentimes that's where having someone more experienced or whether it be a coach or a trainer or just somebody else that's got a lot more experience than we do, then kind of help us. Well, you're doing a really good job, Laura, but let's do this first and, and let's get this step done and get this step achieved. And then we'll put that, the other step behind that one. And you just keep progressing. Before you know it, your horse's attitude gets much calmer, much more relaxed. And before you know it, you start achieving the things that you want to achieve, not because you weren't necessarily doing all the things correct, but you were doing all the things correct that were disconnected. Mm. So oftentimes it's a good idea to kind of connect those dots. And before you know it, shazam, the picture appears. So oftentimes we all need help from time to time helping us connect the dots. Sure. And that's, I mean, to me, the point is, as you said, you go back to those questions and the first question is obviously always the hardest one, which is what do you want? And, and for somebody who's got a horse and they figured out, well, what I want to do with my horse is X. I want to be able to go on trail rides with my friends. I want to compete in local horse shows. I want to compete at a national level, whatever it is you want. What I think a lot of people maybe will need help with is breaking down the steps to get from here to there. And because you don't go from A to Z, you have to go through all the steps. And people who don't have years and years of experience doing those sorts of things don't know. Well, so what's the first thing my horse needs to know? What's the first thing I need to know? If I want to go from, I've got this great horse and I want to, you know, compete in some discipline. What are the steps I need to take to prepare both myself and the horse to get there? And a, an expert can help you break those pieces down. Absolutely. You know, for example, I was just thinking as you said that, I love to watch English riding. I, I always have, even, even when I was a little kid. And don't get me wrong, I'm very much a cowboy. I love my culture. I love what I do. I love everything about the culture. I love wearing my hat and my boots and everything about it. I love the manners and everything else associated with the culture and for the most part. But yet I'm always uh, in awe of the elegance, I guess you could say, of English riding. I think it just looks so good and, and um, you know, male or female, it just looks elegant when you see somebody doing it really, really well. So if I was to ask myself, what do I really want? Well, I want to start riding English. Well, maybe the first thing I would need to do is get an English saddle, whether I borrow one or, or do whatever. But I'm going to have to eventually make that step into getting into an English saddle. So that's sometimes where we need that help, that encouragement to break things down logically. What do you need to do? And then help get with those folks that have that little bit more experience that can kind of help us go. When I look at that situation with me and Laurie that day and Mr. Higgins, you know, common sense told me, yeah, you're right. We've got all the cattle up in here. But see, sometimes if you're like me, you're, you, you want to do everything right. You know, let's go do it. Let's do it exactly right. Well, and then when something happens, well, suddenly right went out the window. And so sometimes we have to ask ourselves, well, when do you 
give up right and, and what may seem right for accepting that the circumstance will allow you to have at the moment. And sometimes that's very humbling. I mean, for me, I wanted to see everything done right. By golly, let's get those cows up there and let's don't let any of them get out. We got them all, so don't let any of them get out. And when one of them gets out, you want to put him right back. And it's not that we couldn't go and get those few that got out again later. So we oftentimes have to really remind ourselves, don't get distracted by always being right. You know, what is that that uh, Dr. Phil, I know you're not a big Dr. Phil fan, but I just love some of the stuff he says. And he says, do you want to be right or you want to be happy? And that's oftentimes a good question to ask ourselves, you know, and do you want to be right or you want to be happy? In other words, do you want to be focused so much on being right? In this case, do I want to focus so much on getting those other cows and getting them up there? Or can I be happy with the cattle that we've got and get those worked with? And then everybody is contented. We're not just chasing cows and leaving. Here's the downside of that. If I would have gone up and chased the other cows, we would have been leaving behind the mass. We would have been leaving behind all the cows that would have been up in there. And as a result, they'd have gotten more stressed and they'd have started putting more pressure on the arena, or in this case, the working pens. And before you know it, there'd have been more of them broke out. So let's just take it you got. And so I, I love that quote from Larry McVicker. And God rest his soul. He was such a phenomenal man. And 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 I'm going to add a little bit to that too, Lauren. I have to kind of show off my my New Zealand ignorance. When I was down in New Zealand, I just absolutely loved the people. I mean, the folks down there were so kind to me, and they were so helpful and teaching me about their food, their culture, and, and even the way they did their cattle. They worked their cattle slightly different than we did up here in, in Texas. And, and uh, so I learned a lot from those guys, and I really appreciate everybody having the patience with me that they did. And I, I was trying to absorb as much about the country and about their history as as I could. So uh, I mentioned a little while ago that Laura would yell back out at me. As soon as I'd yell at him, hey, Laura, we got one that broke out. No worries, mate. It shall be right. And he, after he said that about the third time, what I didn't tell about myself, I finally, in my frustration, yelled to the top of my lungs, who in the heck is Shelby right? <laughs> and Shelby going to get those horses? That's <laughs> what I was thinking. I was thinking, I was thinking to myself, well, maybe that's some sort of real famous character in New Zealand. Maybe that was a guy in their history. Maybe that was some very optimistic person or something. I had no idea who this Shelby Wright person was. And I yelled at him, who in the heck is Shelby Wright? And Laurie and Lester both raised their heads up and looked at me and they looked at each other and just died laughing at this dumb Texan. And then finally they said, no, mate, she'll be all right. It's just that they said it so darn fast. Shelby Wright. And I thought, oh my goodness, I felt so, I felt so ignorant. But at the same time, they all had a big laugh and a lot of beers after that for, on, at my, at my expense, but it was all meant in, in, uh, in good cheer. It was, it was really a fun experience being down there. And, and like I say, I really appreciate Larry McVicker and all the things, all the lessons that he shared with me while I was down there. But I want people to remember that though, Laura, that's such a, such a, a really cool quote, you know, that he shared with us is she can't get off the island. But she can't get off the island. Isn't that a cool quote? I mean, for him to share that with me, and it really just, in my mind, it was a little bit humorous, but it really showed me a great side of the New Zealand optimism and uh, and to stay focused. Yeah. Don't worry, and, mate. She'll be right. Yeah. And the reminder that it can be dealt with. It can wait. Do yeah. what you, do. Focus on what you're doing now. That little issue can be fixed later. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. It sounds like he was a great guy and you learned a lot from him. And I appreciate you sharing those lessons with us for listeners who 
who enjoy it as well. I know you'd love to hear from them. And so we invite feedback, whether it's comments, questions, suggestions for the show. There's lots of ways you can reach out to Van with those. As we always say, the, you know, join the, the Van Hargis Horsemanship Facebook page. You can be part of the conversations there, post your questions or your feedback or your stories about staying focused on your goals or, or, you know, whatever is kind of related to this, feel free to post that there. If you've got questions that you want to uh, ask Van a little more privately, you can email those to info at vanhargis.com and you will hear back either in an email or in a future episode or maybe both. Other than that, I want to encourage folks, as always, to visit the website at vanhargis.com. That's, you know, kind of Van Hargis Central. It's where you're going to find everything that's going on with Van Hargis Horsemanship, all the offerings that are there, ways that you can work with Van in terms of clinics or one-on-one lessons or um, the places that he goes to speak. His calendar is there. So be sure to check that out if you want more of what Van offers than what he can do just, you know, through words in a podcast. I mean, there's lots of great information that comes out here, but nothing replaces working with a person live. And so Van is, his schedule is filling up, traveling kind of all over the place to do expos and clinics and various kinds of events. So check the schedule, the calendar on vanhargis.com to see where he's going to be. And if he's not already on the schedule to come to your area, then maybe you, it's, it's on you to invite him there. And if you've got an event or a barn with a group that would like a clinic, any of those kinds of things, reach out to Van Hargis Horsemanship by emailing info at vanhargis.com and see what it takes to get him into your area where you can work with him in person. I'm trying to think what else. Oh, also on the website, you see the store there and there's lots of products there that the tack that Van has designed and recommends and other things that are there. And if you want to try those products and get a bargain in the, in the mix, consider joining the top hand club because uh, for I, I don't know, Van, are there still some spaces left at the, what are you calling it, the, the founding member thing? Oh, absolutely. Uh, if we, it's, it's, thankfully, the, the membership is growing very quickly. But, yes, we do have folks can be charter members. And what a charter member is, Laura, for the Top Hand Club is that the first thousand members, so the first thousand people that sign up, you get that at a $4.95 price, and that price lasts for as long as you're a member. So it's $4.95 a month for as long as you're a member. Yeah. Um, the price is so, going to go up after that. So right. the, the advantage of joining the Top Hand Club now is you're going to get everything that's already there, which is the video tutorials, the, the, the library of those is growing all the time. The discounts on any Van Hargis products in the store, discounts on events. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. So any any pre-approved event, in other words, any event that's solely my event, they certainly get a discount. And we do work in conjunction with some of the expos that hire us to come out that oftentimes they'll allow us to discount a certain number of tickets uh, for people who are top-hand members as well. But they just need to let us know prior to the event. And Laura, this time we've actually got a really, really cool special. There's, there's a really cool product on our website called XLEQ. It's in there in our store. It's a supplement that I've been using now for almost a year. And I'm not a real big supplement kind of guy. You know, there's a lot of folks out there that that have all sorts of concoctions. I've always been a believer 
that the feed the feed companies themselves know a heck of a lot more about mixing feed than what I do. But I was kind of talked into trying this product called XLEQ and adding it to your your feed. And and what it is, it's an oil sub it's an oil substance that basically adds the omega fatty acids to a horse's diet. And I'm amazed at how well it's got my horses looking, my personal horses. And once I started noticing that, I said, you know what? I want to start marketing that on my website. So what we're doing this month is, and you don't have to buy this from me. You can go to any, anybody out there that's an XLEQ dealer. But if you show Van Hargis Horsemanship that you've purchased at least $300 worth of XLEQ products, then you can get a $100 discount off of your choice of one of my saddles. The other cool thing about that is um, we've just made an arrangement with our saddle manufacturer, which is Rainsman, but you can also have your saddles now almost completely customized at the exact same price. Now, what does that mean? The customization means that you can get, it's still my saddle. In other words, all the functionality of my saddle will be the same, but you can get your own tooling pattern. You can get your own leather color. In other words, you can get dark oil. You can get the honey oil. So there's a lot of different options there. You can get your own uh, whatever concho that you want put on there. So there's a lot of customized options that are available. And you can find out what those customizations are uh, by, vi- again, visiting our website. And all those options are available. Um, so, again, XLEQ, phenomenal product. Uh, I, I, if it wasn't, I wouldn't be using it on my own personal horses. But if you get $300 worth of that product at any XLEQ dealer out there, show us proof of that purchase and you'll get that $100 discount off of our saddle. So there you are. All, all kinds of deals and things going on, It's which makes it worth your while to visit the website pretty regularly. And that's where you find the show notes for the episode. So kind of the outline of what Van talked about any links that are of interest, those are all going to be on the podcast tab on the website. And then the calendar, the store, the list of the different kinds of services you offer in terms of clinics and demos and all those sorts of things. And again, the Top Hand Club. Check that out because if you get in now at that $4.95 a month price, you get that price for as long as you remain a member and you're going to pay for that in the first discount that you use. And, and so you can learn more about that on the website as well. You bet. Not to turn this into a total commercial, but you know, people who appreciate the information that you're giving to them for free on this podcast may want more than they can get just in a 30 minute podcast. And so we want to make sure people know that there's more available, lots of different ways to work with Van to get the information that he shares and to to kind of become part of the, the Van Hargis Horsemanship family. Absolutely. And you know, Laura, that's the po- the whole thing. I'm I'm obsessed really with helping people with their horsemanship and helping them with their horsemanship humanship journey. It's I probably think about it a lot more than I should. I mean it's it's really one of those things that I it's the first thing I think of in the morning and it's one of the last things I think of in the evening is what can we do to make the service better? So in appreciation to the Ride Over Stride listeners, I, I just want to always emphasize my gratitude and our thanks to them. Number one, for listening. Number two, for supporting us. And number three, for, for sharing the podcast with other people. Because believe me, you're on my mind. So if there's things that we can do to help you guys out, don't hesitate to let me know because I probably won't mind doing it because it's, it's, I really want the podcast and everything that we do at Van Hargis Horsemanship to be all about our listeners. And Laura, with that said, I just want to remind everybody how much I appreciate everyone. And remember, until next time, it's your ride, it's your trail, it's your journey. So ride every stride. Mm-hmm.